Well, if I haven't had a chance to greet you this morning, my name is Kevin Johnson. I serve as pastor here. It is a joy to have you in worship on this third of July. This day, we're going to focus uh, continually on our series, Pearls of Wisdom. We've been in Proverbs for these last three weeks, and we close up the series today in the book of Ecclesiastes, another one of the wisdom books uh, in scripture. It is one that we don't hear very much in ordinary worship in our lectionary calendar. Uh, we read Ecclesiastes once uh, in the three-year cycle, and that is only if you happen to meet on New Year's Day. Uh, so clearly, the designers of the lectionary did not know what to do uh, with this book. I think it offers a great deal of wisdom, and we're going to look at it and try to see what we can learn about this idea of acceptance from it this morning, and I'll explain more about that as we hear from God's word together. Ecclesiastes 3 is where we are this morning. There's a season for everything, and a time for every matter under the heavens, a time for giving birth, and a time for dying, a time for planting, and a time for uprooting what was planted, a time for killing, and a time for healing, a time for tearing down, and a time for building up, a time for crying, and a time for laughing, a time for mourning, and a time for dancing, a time for throwing stones, and a time for gathering stones, a time for embracing, and a time for avoiding embraces. A time for searching and a time for losing. A time for keeping and a time for throwing away. A time for tearing and a time for repairing. A time for keeping silent and a time for speaking. A time for loving and a time for, for hating. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from all their hard work? I've observed the task that God has given human beings. God has made everything fitting in its time, but has also placed eternity in their hearts without enabling them to discover what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there's nothing better for them but to enjoy themselves and do good while they live. Moreover, this is the gift of God, that all people should eat, drink, and enjoy the results of their hard work. I know that whatever God does will last forever. It's impossible to add to it or take away from it. God has done this so that people are reverent before him. Whatever happens has already happened, and whatever will happen has already happened before, and God looks after what is driven away. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I spelled the word melancholy wrong in the third grade spelling bee. It's what got me out in the third round. You remember things like that. And, and I think it's because I thought the word was a combination of a summer fruit and a breed of dog. Melancholy. And uh, that is not how it was spelled. But I don't know many third graders that know what melancholy means. But I was thinking about that today because in many ways, Ecclesiastes is the book of melancholy. And I'm wondering when we read it and when we look at it, how we don't just picture this teacher in Ecclesiastes sounding like a gray donkey from Winnie the Pooh talking about his tail falling off because he sure sounds like Eeyore sometimes. And so what I want to do is consider a little bit what do we do with this seemingly depressing, sometimes though very realistic viewpoint of Ecclesiastes? 
And in other ways, Ecclesiastes sometimes feels like those really late-night conversations you had with your bunkmate in college or something like that, those ones that get really philosophical at like 1 a.m. in ways that usually they don't, but all of a sudden you start waxing uh, philosophy together. That's what Ecclesiastes feels like to me when I read it because he he begins, right, literally, verse 2, depending on your translation, is either everything is meaningless, (laughs) everything is pointless, right? Everything in the word in Hebrew that he uses is hevel. He's going to use this word like 40-something times throughout all of Ecclesiastes. It's the same word, however, that means smoke or vapor. And I think meaningless or pointless doesn't quite get at the depth of what he's saying with this word. The problem is you almost need two sentences to describe the one word. On one level, What the author is saying is that everything is temporary, like smoke, right? We see smoke and it kind of disappears and dissipates. So it's not here forever, it's fleeting. That's one thing that he's trying to say in this idea of Hevel. The second thing that he's saying, though, is also that everything is enigma. When you see something and you see it through smokiness or fog, you don't see it clearly, We've had those mornings that are really foggy before, right? And you can't see very far in front of you. You've been up in the mountains and you you can't see. So he's not only saying everything is temporary, but also everything's a little bit cloudy. It reminds me of in 2 Corinthians when Paul is talking. And he says, right now I see as though seeing into a mirror dimly or seeing into it it, kind of with, with a film in front of it. But one day I will see clearly, right? Everything is hevel. Another translation, rather than meaningless or perfectly pointless, like the common English gives, is is that of absurd. (laughs) Everything is absurd. On Tuesday morning, I woke up, looked at the news that morning, and I was reading about, at the time, 42 or 43 migrants who had died in that semi-truck in San Antonio. News that sounds all too normal, but news that is tragic. And, and that, that count we know rose to over 50 during the week. And, and, I, and I'm reading that story, and then the ad that comes below is for a silly TV show that I wanted to watch the next season of, right? Because everything on the internet knows me. And so, that, and, and, I, and I was left saying, like, that's very Ecclesiastes. Like, it's like meaningless is this show I want to watch popping up right in the middle of a description of these 50-some people who have died in San Antonio. It's all Hevel. Now, the author of Ecclesiastes talks a lot about time and reflects on that. And in our passage today, we get a lot about these times or seasons, that there's a season for everything. We get this list, right, about universal experiences, Experiences that are pretty much true for all of humanity. And these pairings of these things, right? Obviously birth, death, right? A time for sowing, a time for reaping. These these pairs of things. They describe these universal experiences we all have and they show a little bit that life is not only random. Part of Part of the fear when we read Ecclesiastes is that life is just kind of like this chaotic mess. And what I think the teacher is trying to do here is say, well, no, it's not all random. There are these pairs of things. And he begins, right, that there's a time for birth and a time for dying. 
Very true, right? But that is the only thing in there that is really a decision that's outside of human control. We don't get to control when we're born or when we die. But the rest of the things there, the the rest of the things have some moral choice. They show that we do have free will in this life. We aren't only the products of fate. Some readings of Ecclesiastes would have us believe that, that everything is up to chance and we don't have any option in it whatsoever. But what I do think we have a choice of a lot is how we react in the face of things. But this list intentionally opens with birth, the hope of new birth. And then what's interesting is that the author ends it with saying there's a time for war and a time for peace, right? He is not going to allow war to get the last word in the description. So instead, he intentionally closes with peace. Birth through peace is what describes this whole passage about seasons of life. Yet what we encounter within these seasons of life are really three limits that I think we experience as humans. Three different limits that the author of Ecclesiastes presents kind of throughout his entire book. And the first one of those is the limit of time. In chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Whatever has happened, that's what will happen again. Whatever has occurred, that will occur again. There's nothing new under the sun. If you've ever been in a history class and started to realize, right, that, hey, history repeats Itself. That's what a good history teacher teaches us, is that those, there's cycles of history that repeat. When you read the Old Testament and you read the story of the people of Israel, right? Here's usually how it works. God makes a covenant with the people of Israel. At some point, they screw up, worship other gods. God, in some way, punishes them, and then they cry out for forgiveness and are forgiven. And then the covenant process starts again. In many ways, we can look at that throughout world history, but we could take it not just from the world, but in our families, right? And we see patterns that have happened in our families, cycles that continue, things where we say there's nothing new under the sun. I had a theology professor who would say that if you think you've come up with a new idea about how to read a passage or a new idea about theology, it's probably wrong, Right? Because lots of people have read for a long time lots of things. And if you think you've got some new idea about it, you probably just need to go back and find where someone else said it sometime. There is nothing new under the sun. Time is a limit upon us as humans. The second thing we learn from is that death is a limit. Chapter 2, verse 16, There is no eternal memory of the wise any more than the foolish because everyone is forgotten before long. How can the wise die just like the fool? Death is a limit. All are from dust, and to dust they will return. He will reflect a chapter later. And the final limit that we see beyond time and death is actually chance as a limit. Chapter 7, verse 15, he says, I have seen everything in my pointless lifetime. The righteous person may die in spite of their righteousness. Then again, the wicked may live long in spite of their wickedness. After reading Proverbs, it kind of lays out simplistically like, hey, if you do good, you'll live long. And if you do evil, you won't. It's been hard sometimes to read Proverbs and say, but that's not how life works. 
Like, that's not how it works all the time. And what Ecclesiastes is giving us is a fresh dose of realism to pair against, to pair against Proverbs, right? To, to juxtapose it a little bit and say, but life doesn't always work out good when you are faithful, right? And life doesn't always work out poorly when you're not. We have lots of instances of that. And so I think it's helpful in this time to remember that we have the whole of Scripture for our use on purpose, right? If we only had Ecclesiastes, well, that'd be problematic and a little bit depressing, but it's one of 66 books in the whole, right? And so what we can do is when we read that, we look at, and we, we glean the truth that we know from Proverbs, and we also glean the truth that we see in reality in Ecclesiastes, and we hold those things together. So I've just presented to you these three limits, right? Time, death, chance. But here's the issue. In our culture, in, in our society, we are told that we should have mantras about how we are limitless, how we don't have any limits, right? Anything is possible, is what the Adidas ad used to scream. But something in us knows that Ecclesiastes is right. So what I want to present to you today is this idea that I'm going to call the freedom of acceptance, the freedom of acceptance. First, the notion that God is God. As obvious as that sounds, sometimes we got to remember it once again. God is God, and what we see is hevel, right? What we see is cloudy, is temporary, is a little bit enigmatic. We don't understand exactly God's ways. It's unclear, it's smoke-filled. Life is an enigma. Verse 14 of chapter 3 I know that whatever God does will last forever. It's impossible to add to this or take away from it. God has done this so that people are reverent before him. God is God. We're not. Much as we try to be, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we're not. The second thing, right, is that since you can't control all of life, since you cannot control exactly what happens to you at all moments, the writer of Ecclesiastes would say, well, then stop worrying about it all the time and enjoy life. Enjoy what you got. This is his word, right? He says, I know there's nothing better for them but to enjoy themselves and do what's good while they live. Moreover, this is the gift of God, that all people should eat, drink, and enjoy the results of their hard work. The book of Ecclesiastes can be actually a helpful reminder for us as followers of Jesus that enjoyment is not bad, that, in, that we can enjoy the small things in life. In fact, this seems to be the teacher's message throughout most of Ecclesiastes is, hey, you're not in control, and so what you can do is enjoy the small things in life. Enjoy the gifts that you have. Enjoy the beautiful things around you rather than seeking after things that are impossible to seek after and to achieve. I think there's a lot of hope in that word. It reminds me of Paul in Philippians 4 when he says, I'm not saying this because I need anything, for I've learned how to be content in any circumstance. I know the experience of being in need and of having more than enough. I've learned the secret to being content in any and every circumstance, whether full or hungry, or whether having plenty or being poor, I can endure all things through the power of the one who gives me strength. We usually just focus on that last verse, right? And we put it on all sorts of 
uh, bumper sticker type of things. I can endure all things through the one who gives me strength. But before that, right, is the secret of, of contentment. Content, whether having little or having much. It's almost like John Wesley's covenant prayer when he says, you know, teach me, let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing, right? Let me be employed for you, laid aside for you. This concept from Ecclesiastes that we see echoed here in Paul makes me think about two songs from the musical Hamilton. Work with me, okay? If you haven't seen it, well, you should at least listen to it. I haven't seen it on stage or anything. But anyway, um, so Angelica Schuyler, she sings about Alexander. She says, he will never be satisfied. Now, I'm not going to try to do it and do the rap that she does, which is sick. Um, but I'm not going to do it because I will destroy it. But anyway, she says, he will never be satisfied when referring to Alexander and probably referring to his marital indiscretions. But that's another thing, right? But, but he says, he will never be satisfied. He's, he's not going to ever stop working nothing. He will never be content. Later on, Eliza, the woman who he marries, right, she says, look around, look around, look at where you are, look at, look at where you started. The fact that you're alive is a miracle. Just stay alive. That would be enough. And so what Alexander has is these two poles, these two women who are representing all sorts of things in his life, but, and they're, they're sisters, but, but, but one is saying he will never be satisfied. The other one saying, hey, look around Look at what you have, right? One of them saying, really, the truth of Ecclesiastes there. Look around. How lucky you are to be alive right now. Enjoy what you have right here and now. But the messages that we hear in our life, right? The messages that we hear in our culture. Take control of your life. Fight the disease. Seize the day. Beat back depression. And we hear messages like that over and over again about how basically we are in control of living our best life at all times. And we can take that control and take authority for it. And Ecclesiastes is here kind of saying, well, what about when you can't? What about when the life season that you are in is just hard? What about when it doesn't seem fair or just at all? And the promise that we have is that God will one day clear away the hevel and all, all have the ability in some form or fashion to enjoy the life they are given now. The life that God gives us is enough. So the wisdom then of acceptance is being content whatever comes your way and looking for grace and joy every day. The wisdom of acceptance is being content whatever comes your way and looking for the grace and joy every day. Let's pray. Lord, in the midst of a world that tells us what we need before we need it, a world that wants to constantly market at the things that we think we want or think we need, God, what we ask for is a life that is satisfied in you, one that finds contentment not in constantly seeking the next thing, 
but instead is able to say, the gifts that I have are enough. God, that you are enough for us. So Lord, help us to learn from this teacher in Ecclesiastes. Help us, Lord, to be people who are satisfied indeed in you. And Lord, that can find the joy and the grace in every day. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you.